well, it's not an interview, it's more like a discussion. Okay, Sarah says, so if you tell him, if you tell him how you're doing in your practice, whether you're finding it easy or difficult, um, just anything else that you want to bring up to him with regards to the practice, then if he can help, he will try. During the walking and even though in the sitting, there are a lot of anxiety. And then I use the right view, like I think that it's just the nature of the mind, something like that. Sometimes it helps, but sometimes it helps like I can stay with it for a while. And then the anxiety come up again, and then I say it again. And it doesn't work somehow, yeah. And also in the sitting, I still have the, a lot of anxiety. And then I keep asking myself, why do I have to be anxiety? And then I get the answer that I have a lot of desire to be good in practice, something like that, yeah. อดีตอ่ะเมดิเทชั่นอยู่แล้วแกก็อ่ะเปียกออกลงหมดหน้าเลยออกลงแล้วตัวเปียกสิเจเนี่ยไอ้ดาวน์ตัวมาลงมาล
No, just be interested in yourself. What is happening now? It doesn't have to be anxiety. If anxiety is there, you watch that. If it's not, you watch whatever is there. Yeah, it's, anxiety is an object, but it's just another object. It could be something else as well. Seattle says, you know, when we ask a question, it's just to make the mind interested to watch. It's not to get the answer. Just so that we keep watching. Some questions take a long time of a long, yeah, maybe years of watching before we can get an answer. Okay, yeah. And um, sometimes um, I doubt uh, between thinking or, or uh, oh, um, wisdom because sometimes something happens and then you start to, to, th to think on this or try to understand and sometimes it's so long that then I stop thinking because I th I'm thinking that I'm thinking. But then I realize that maybe it was wise, but I stop it. And then I'm trying to get it again. So it's, it's like... Um, hmm. ตัวตวีระเนี่ยเนี่ยเนี่ยตูมะควยจาอูเรตะขะลีตูตะคู่ผิดเตะเสกะหลุ่ชาเราเสกะซินซาเรตะขะลีซินซาติเนี่ยเ
when we think and if it agitates the mind, it's usually, there is some defiled motivation. There will be something, even if you don't see it clearly, it might be something hidden, but there will be some wrong thought there. Oh, I have a tremendous amount of fear. I, I fully appreciate that um, it's very difficult to get rid of it and it's a passing thing, but constantly it plays on my mind. Um, I think part of the reason is that I've just had a right eye cataract operation and I'm constantly in fear of falling, partly because I've had two hips replaced, so I have titanium hips. I've had a very bad fracture of the left wrist. I had three pins inserted. I've broken my right foot, and I was in a cast for seven weeks. So this fear is constantly in my mind, whilst I sort of say, don't be afraid. But uh, the fear is there, and but I'm fortunate uh, that at the age of 70, I'm still able to walk around and come to this meditation. And I'm very, very grateful for the new insight that the Siado has given because I've never thought of meditation to be so relaxing and easy. Thank you. <laughs> ตูฉิราวเลยจูบูเรแลแลจูบูเรดีได้มาเป็นนี่โทรทาเรดีดีอันนั้นคนปัดตู so just know the fear, Seattle said. Know the fear. Know the fear. Be aware of it. Do we better not shoot it by Yoko Shuma, Seiko Shuma? I put a child in the state of Pena. I was sick of Ion Yutama. Ion Yuina, the child of Poma, Athenian, Pilla, we saw a child of Yoko. Seattle says the practice of Vipassana is about understanding this mind and this body and fear arises in the mind. So if we can be with this mind, watch this fear, and eventually understand fear, then, um, then fear cannot overwhelm us. And if we have some Vipassana insight into fear and its nature, he says, then, then we will no longer live in fear. Um, my problem with this retreat is the form, my former retreat is like I used to ground my mind with the, the object and so um, this time I try to loosen it loosen it up and like free the mind and be aware of whatever the mind knows so in walking it's, it's okay but in sitting it's like I think the mind was confused and I was confused too. <laughs> and like sometimes it wants to be grounded as I observe it. Sometimes it wants to be grounded. Sometimes it wants to um, go somewhere. And, and, and I understand that the nature of it is like it wants, it wants to 
goes go around it. It's okay to ground the mind. Yeah. So he says you do it together. Sometimes you ground the mind, and sometimes when it wants to be more aware of other things, you let it be aware of other things. Yeah. The only thing that you want to um, beware of is um, is if the mind gets attached to your ground to your grounding object and then it starts to ignore or neglect other objects. But if you know the grounding object and you know other objects, it's fine. One of the main um, objectives of uh, meditation is to reduce our um, attachments. To reduce clinging of the mind, and says. But what can happen in meditation is that we become attached to the meditation object, um, and we cling to that. And so long as you're aware of that, and um, you allow the mind to be with it when it to ground when it needs to, but sometimes it needs to move around. You let it do that. That's fine. What do you use as your grounding object? Rising, falling. Rising, falling. Uh-huh. And, movement. and movement. Um, have you done the breath before? Sometimes. Sometimes. Which is better? Rising, falling or the breath? So why does your mind go to rising, falling more easily? Habit. Like in the former practice, we train it to write. So, Sierra is asking the question more because he wants us to see that objects are just whatever you know now, right? Anapana is not better. Rising, falling is not better. Whatever you know now, that is the object, right? In Burma, there are so many so-called methods of meditation, and it's just because there are so many objects of meditation. But really, the object is not the meditation, right? It's The important thing is how we are meditating, right? The mind and how we are meditating. And that mind that is meditating needs to be on the Noble Eightfold Path. You know, the right view, the right thought, etc., right effort, Hello. and so on. But, but if we're stuck on one object, then we are not skillful at using other objects to be aware. Um, so we need to be skillful at using any of our sense doors to be aware. Grounded, but I'm not saying 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 grounded, but I'm not saying
So you can start by just starting with grounding, right? Just ground first. And then as you ground, I'm sure you notice that you know other objects as well, right? So it's fine. You don't have to let go of the grounding. You're just grounding plus other objects. That's okay. Yeah. He says the important thing is to remember that in meditation the objective is to know, to understand, um, not to just keep our mind on one object. Sierra says, do you know why there is rising falling? Is it nature? <laughs> How many years have you been doing rising falling? For three to four years. So you notice how So you notice how the motivation of our mind it sort of it it determines the result. So we've been watching rising falling and we want to be calm in meditation. So that's what you get. You get calm, but you don't know anything more about the nature of rising falling. So we, you, you need to know why there is rising falling. Is it the wind element? <laughs> okay, I just try. <laughs> it's because you breathe, right? There's rising falling. Yeah. So do you breathe first or does it rise first, the abdomen? Breathe first. No. Wrong answer. Siada says this homework. <laughs> so you watch your rising falling to find out whether you breathe first or the abdomen rises. If you watch only one thing, if you just watch your say your abdomen only your view is too narrow. You cannot see the connection between the two. So you need to open and watch to see what happens when. Sierra says that, you know, um, cause and effect, right? So we breathe, therefore the abdomen rises. This is cause and effect, right? But we think that cause always happens and then the effect takes place. But sometimes cause and effect one is the cause, the other is the effect, but sometimes the cause and the effect r- arise simultaneously. Okay? So that's a clue. <laughs> so, I just want to, to tell about the experience this morning in the sitting as I try to free the mind. Um, suddenly I feel like I'm sad. It's, it's like I feel like I, I feel like the mind is my shire and I have to let go of it. My child, yeah, and I have to let go of it. How? Free the mind. What do you mean by free the mind? Because I used to ground it. I used to force it. And, and, and it's like it's in my control. 
and and when they try to free it, then I have to let go of of the control. Free it. ตัวสกายเซ็งสิกโกอ่ะป้องเป็นบ่มาตินทาเรเออตัวทิ้งทาราบ่สิกโกเออตัวตัวดีตะลอมมาตัวทายตัวแน่ๆชุบเตลีต
in the beginning of practice we are just learning how to observe you know the how to is like with right view no expectation simplicity right that sort of thing and when we become um, more established in just being aware says then we can you know go a bit further and ask a few more questions like um, what is this? Why is it happening? You know, why does it come? Why does it go? And so on. Um, um, the moment we have attachment to the object, Sierra says, we cannot gain any understanding into the object. We, we, insight cannot arise. So the awareness always needs to be detached from the object. Awareness needs to be stepped away, right? independent of the object. That's why Sierra, he says this, it sounds quite abstract. He always keeps saying, what is the object? The object is that which is being known. It's totally, like it has no personality, right? It's very impersonal. It's just being known. So, anapana is known, rising, falling is known, heat is known, you know, sound is known, pain is known. Pain is known. If there's no pain, that's known. You know, everything is just known. The known is the object. Sometimes we can have an insight into the nature of that that something is just an object. When you see that everything is just object, it feels very freeing. It feels yeah. I think they realize it the knowledge. Understanding that an object is just an object. So do I understand right? If uh, when I meditate, uh, the pain arises, it is object. If I hear the sound afterwards and I switch to it, this is also object. And so on and so on and so on, like different sensations in the body, they, there can be many objects during one session, right? You already see there's a lot of objects. So when a lot of objects are already being known, Siyadro says you don't actually have to do anything. The awareness is already good. That's why it knows a lot of things. Right? And so what you have to do is just... Yeah. What you have to do is just continue to watch the show. Right? The, the receiver is quite good. Your radio signals, you can get a lot of them. So you just, just, yeah, just listen to them. Yeah, when the radio signal not good, you can just get like one, you know, one FM, you know, and you can't hear the other, you know, the other channels. But now you've got lots of channels open. That means awareness a Yeah, so it's, a, you know, it's a sign that the awareness is working well. Can you know seeing and hearing at the same time? I'm trying now. <laughs> he says you don't have to, to do it. He's just asking the question and maybe it will 
you know, you'll notice it during the day. So, uh, should I switch to the channel which I can hear more clear? Hmm? You can. But don't ignore the other channels. So, you know, so you can stay with the channel you hear the best. And then, you know, some other channels might come in. Just just notice them. You know, oh, okay, okay, you're saying this right now. Okay. Sometimes ask yourself, how many objects do you know in one moment? And uh, if I have uh, liking or disliking arising to different channels, uh, should I stay with disliking or disliking, or should I ignore them, or w- what should I do with them? For example, uh, at the same time, I feel uh, like yesterday in the evening, I was uh, hearing the sound of the rain uh, during the meditation, which I like. And um, at the same time, I was feeling the pain in the knee, uh, and uh, the signals were like at the, almost the same. Uh, so, w- what should I do in this situation? To which uh, signal should I uh, switch? I like the rain, but I don't like the pain, but I feel them like <laughs> all together. Yeah. Like Right. So, Sierra says um, when there's liking and disliking, they are first priority. So you watch the liking and disliking. But now liking and disliking are happening together. And so Seattle says, you don't have to differentiate what is, like, what is the liking feeling or what is the disliking feeling. There is a feeling, right? It could be mixed. You can just watch that. You don't have to name the feeling, just know the feeling. Hmm? It could be pleasant, unpleasant, maybe together pleasant and pleasant, unpleasant. You can watch them, you know, happening. Yeah. 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 So, Seattle says, in this case, because it's a mixed feeling, you just um, just observe the feeling, right? Just observe the feeling as it is. Um, sometimes we have one channel, just liking, right? And this is what you do when there is just one channel of liking or disliking. Seattle says, the, the thing is that we want to notice the difference um, to the mind, to the perception of the mind, when there is the presence of liking and when there is not the presence of liking. So, for example, you see a flower and you like it, and then you start watching the liking. You're not watching the flower anymore, you're watching liking. Can you watch the liking? If you watch liking, just the sensation of liking, you know, the feeling of liking, long enough without thinking about what you're liking, the liking will calm down. It will eventually become neutral again. And when it becomes neutral, then you want to look back at that, what you liked before, the flower, and see when there is not the liking feeling in the mind, what is the mind's perception of what it thought was nice just now? It's the same with pain. Like, we don't like, or something that we don't like. It's the same with disliking. So we don't like something, and then we 
just watch the feeling of the disliking or the resistance. And we watch it, we watch it, and sometimes we will experience it reduce, right? It will relax, and then the feeling of disliking isn't there anymore. And then when we go back to what we were disliking before, you will notice that there's a different attitude in the mind towards what you didn't like before without the disliking feeling in there. Um, it won't happen in one one time. Like you might watch it one time, it, you know, it doesn't go away another time. So he's just saying this is eventually where we want to get to. That we notice the difference between our perception of an object when there is liking and disliking versus when there's no liking or disliking towards the same object. I've been reading your book, um, and there was um, some words about um, strong, strong emotions like anger or fear or something, and you write that uh, this, uh, these emotions do not belong to us. It's not personal. Well, it's a great relief, because you can take the responsibility of you, but I didn't clearly understand how it works. How the anger, if I have reason to, for example, uh, I have my personal reason to be anger, how this anger cannot be my anger, how it can be universal. I can't understand. ถ้าเธอมาถ้าเธอมายิ้มทาเรเรดอดาโอ้เสกเตบอเสกเตอ่ะงาหามอดามันงามาตาวินอ่ะชื่อเรสรอตัวพี่อะไรอุปมาตั
the quality of anger, its work is to, to use a very big word, its, wor its work is to destroy, it's to remove, it's to push away, it's to reject. That's all anger does. That, that is the characteristic of anger. That is anger's job description. Anger does nothing but what anger does. Anger cannot love. Right? But then there is other qualities. Greed, greed grasps. It sticks. It wants. You know, there's love. Love is open and generous. You know, each of these qualities does its work and it does nothing else. And therefore it is not you. It is its quality. It is it. Whatever it is. So when anger arises, uh, I should uh, observe what stands behind Yeah. So when anger arises or any of anything you know, that we want to investigate arises, then you want to look at it objectively. Why is it here? What's behind it? What's motivating it? What are the thoughts that are feeding it? How does it feel when this is here? And you will notice that for each quality of mind, there is its own set of Sometimes we are angry for a short while. Sometimes we are angry and we can't forget. Right? What are the conditions that make it so? Why do we, why is some anger easily forgotten? Why is some anger not easily forgotten? And you'll see all the, the, the like the ingredients to that mix. Yeah, so when you watch the mind a lot, you will start noticing all these these patterns in the mind and it's very interesting. And he says right now, you know, we're we keep talking about the things that we observe, so the objects, so it could be anger and so on. He says we haven't come to the other ingredient in the equation of meditation, which is the awareness. And how you are aware also affects how you know, what you understand. The awareness is part of the equation of how much we begin to understand. Okay. Um, I feel like the... I feel like I want to improve. I feel like this is just an impulse that I've, I'm picking up on more and more through practice. It's just this momentum behind the desire to be better and to improve. And I feel like that's also dharma. I feel like that's also nature. I mean, I feel like so much of the momentum of life as a householder or just as a human is about wanting to take care of ourselves, take care of our families, to, to get a better education, to... There's a, so much momentum behind the desire to improve that when I come on retreat, the instruction to let go into the perfection of the moment or whatever feels somehow inauthentic to me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Pyuzu me, 
ซึ่งตรงนี้ไปแล้วมอดิเวชั่นอ่ะคุณน่ะเราดูมอดิเวชั่นอ่ะกูกูคอร์เรดิโอไมซ์โอเคซ่ามันสิไอ้แบ็ค
the mind that needs to reach for them also needs to be wholesome. Sarah says we cannot hope to 100% get something wholesome with an unwholesome motivation because the unwholesomeness will get in the way. So for example, Sarah says if we have metta, if we have loving kindness, very pure, he says you can use metta as much as you like in every situation that you can imagine. And it will always give um, a wholesome uh, result if the, the metta is pure. But he says, bring attachment into the equation. And if there's some attachment, Seattle says, then you'll begin to have the results of attachment. Of problem, you know, problems will start arising because there's attachment. There'll be impatience, etc. So whatever we do, Siyadha says, we use this mind to do anything we do. And we can use the good qualities of our mind to achieve the things we want to achieve, or we can use unwholesome qualities of mind to achieve the things we want to achieve. And that's all we're doing in meditation, is learning um, through our observation what is wholesome and what is unwholesome by seeing this cause-effect process. Sierra was just asking about what you meant by the perfection of the moment. So I was trying to explain how, in what literature is it? Is it Zen or whatever, success literature or whatever? They have this, uh, this terminology. And, and uh, so Sierra says, yes, but what is perfect in the moment, when you know that the moment is perfect, is not necessarily the moment. It is actually the perfection of your understanding. It is when the understanding is perfect that everything is perfect, because you see the see through the lens of the understanding that is perfect. Just on a on a more practical level, <laughs> but I think it's connected. Um, I'm experiencing a lot of tension in my shoulders and in my neck when I sit for the last while, last year maybe even on and off, but more on than off. Only when I, a lot of times, not only, I'm I'm wondering if I'm tapping into, when I'm sitting, if I'm feeling residual tension from my life, or if there's something in my practice that's creating the tension. And I'm wondering, actually, now that we're talking about greed, if there's not some way that greed is connected to the manifestation of tension in the body. So when you get up and walk around, there's not this tension anymore, only when you sit. Okay, mostly when you said. Do a time. Don't need love. She be disajority in lare. Do a sin zare da tu bawa ye tension ni a time ne u yau la. Dama ku shimpia loba jang pioro. Hmm, tu loba tak ku ku 
ทุกคนที่ฟังอยู่ทุกคนที่ฟังอยู่ทุกคนที่ฟังอยู่ทุกคนที่ฟังอยู่ทุกคนที่ฟังอยู่ทุกคนที่ฟังอยู่ทุก
and you don't get it because you try hard. You get it when you know how to do it. It's about wisdom. Yeah, and the conditions must all be present for that effect, whatever that effect is. Every effect has its set of conditions. Thank you. Um, I consider myself a very impatient person, um, and I can't stop thinking. Of course, the same thing happens when I try to do a sitting meditation, and it's been the same when I did my first meditation retreats. It's much easier when I do walking meditation or when I do yoga asanas. But sitting meditation is like just so difficult for me. Um, would you have any advice on that? ซิมิชตุกุตุซิมิชิเรลุโลตุตะบอทาตุยูซาเรเนอะรอตุไทนะตุตุอะแคซุนเนยีจีดาดีผิดนี่เนี่ยบ่มากูเอ่อตุยข
But to meditate is just to know. And to know is not difficult at all. Because clearly we know what's happening right then. You know that you're thinking. Right? So meditation is happening just fine. But what is hard is that you can't get what you want. But what you want is not meditation. So if you remind yourself that the goal of meditation is to know what is happening in the body and what is happening in the mind as it is in the present moment, <clears throat> then whatever you know in the present moment is absolutely fine because it is being known. You're meditating. So if there are 10 thoughts and you knew every thought, you would have had 10 moments of awareness. That's 10 moments of meditation. So should you be happy or upset? So in meditation, Sierra says, we should be happy because of the, for the awareness, because that's our goal. Our goal is awareness. Um, but we forget that awareness is present. And then we complain about what is, pres- what else, what, what is also present, you know, the thing that is being known. But in fact, awareness is already there. Sierra says, so in meditation, there's always two parts. There is the object, the things that you know, and there is the awareness. He says, the object, forget about it. Leave it alone. Like, you know, the, yeah, the awareness, he said, the awareness is your responsibility. The awareness is what you want to take care of. What we are cultivating is the awareness. Understood, and thank you for that. And awareness, it's easy as soon as I even do a walking meditation or when I do asanas, but sitting, it's just the monkeys are in my head. I think about problems or things I want to solve in everyday's life. Papa, and, well, um, lost and thoughts for awareness, Mishido. That can happen, yeah, that can happen. Yeah, whereas when, as soon as I'm in movement, I'm aware. Yeah, and that helps me to just to be aware of what I'm doing. Yeah. So then when you're sitting, Seattle says, pay more attention to your body's sensations. That can be thinking, but also no neck pain. That's good. Yeah, says the neck pain is possibly because of your great resistance to the thinking mind, because you, you don't like it. Um, you can relax it, relax, relax the body, know that you're relaxing the body. Um, you can, you know, watch your breath, either at the nose or the abdomen. You can scan your body, scan the body sensations. Yeah. Sierra says the important thing is not to fight the thoughts. They do their job. They do their job. You do your job. Your job is awareness. <laughs> Sierra says, um, this is... <laughs> 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 
becomes a sexist remark. <laughs> Sierra says, think of it as a nagging woman. Just ignore the thinking mind. <laughs> So let her do her work and you do yours. And when your when the awareness becomes good, the nagging voice becomes softer. Sometimes it might still. Yeah. So when one work becomes more, another work becomes less. But when but when you are fighting with the with that nagging woman, Siara says, then you don't get to do your work either. So let, let the woman be and you do your work. No chance to be. No Don't fight. Right. There's no need to win. And uh, how do you tackle impatience? How does it feel when there is impatience? Tense. Well, the impatience by itself does not need to be bad because, because it has good and bad characteristics. Does not need to be bad only because impatience also means you can get things done because you, really, you, you pack them, you take them on, and you solve them. Um, the thing I don't like is when patience goes into aggression or even depression, when, when we are going along that line. And this is this is the uh, the path of patience I would like to improve. Yeah. So Seattle asks, how does it feel when there is impatience? Unpleasant feeling. There is an unpleasant feeling. When the impatience um, becomes destructive and goes into aggression or depression, yes, it does not feel nice at all because... It's self-destructing, uh, and you might even, or I might even, uh, be mean uh, or destructing towards other people, which I don't like at all. So, Sierra says, when, and this is going to be a long practice, okay, long practice, not one time, not like, for, for, every time you are impatient, you know you are impatient, look at how it feels. Look at the feeling, and the feeling will teach you. The awareness of the feeling will teach you. Try to be aware of the impatient. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of face it head on. Looking yeah. and listening and pay attention is function the same. That's mind function the same. Yeah. Pay attention with the eye, we call looking. Pay attention with the ear, we call listening. Pay attention with the mind, we are paying attention. <laughs> function, function is the same. This is my activity. You can recognize you are doing this. My problem is that when I try to uh, focus on, um, for example, when I'm walking, I'm looking, I'm walking, I'm feeling, and so on, 
or when I'm sitting, um, my mind starts talking to itself. I mean, I, I talk to myself all day long, from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. So it keeps taking, taking off in its own direction. So I'm not quite sure how do I keep on bringing it back, just simply returning to breathing or something like that? Or is there some other way that I can shut it up? When you say the mind is talking to yourself, what is it? You know it's talking. You know, you're aware of it. So what is it saying? Like, is it just telling you what's happening? It's sort of a, a commentary. You know, on... Uh, that commentary is fine. Actually, everybody's minds does that. Yeah, it's kind of the mind confirming its experiences to itself. So it repeats. You know, it tells itself, "Oh, now this is happening. Now this. Ha- now I need to do this. Now I need to do that. Now, now this. You know, it's sort of like. But that's the nature of the mind. Sometimes it can also take off into imaginary conversations. So be aware of that as well. So what you want to keep coming back to is, is um, asking yourself, am I aware? So you could be having an imaginary conversation. Are you aware? If you're aware of the imaginary conversation, then you continue to ask whether you continue to be aware. So aware, aware. If you do more awareness, the conversations will get slightly less um, chattery. And what you want to do is um, to, every time you notice the mind, to also notice the body. So this way you ground yourself. You know for sure that you're aware and not like, you know, one moment of mind, the next moment of mind, and after a while you're lost in an imaginary conversation. So if you ground yourself with the body every time you know the mind, yeah, you won't get so lost. Because when we watch our thinking mind, um, when the mind finds the thought interesting, that's when it gets lost in thought. Yeah. Um, In meditation, we are told to know our thinking mind. But then when, when we talk about knowing the thinking mind, it's about just like seeing. You know, it's about knowing the mind that is thinking. And it's not about the story that the mind is thinking of. Yeah. If possible, Sierra says, you know, before we move, whenever we move, um, there's always an intention to move. Right? Sierra says, know the intention, don't follow it. Okay? Then, then, then you won't move. Okay? Yeah. Energy not malign, you know? Direction not concept. Don't follow energy, particularly the direction, because direction is a concept. It's not reality. Right? <laughs> All our 
actions, our physical actions, are pushed by a mental energy, right? And um, we can feel that mental energy, the, the desire to move. And if you can feel the desire, you can choose to follow it or not. So if it's unnecessary, you don't follow it. So in the sitting meditation, you don't need to move, right? So, yeah, don't follow it. Sitting when you know when the mind is settled the body becomes settled so if the body is moving it shows that the mind is not settled right yeah mm. okay sometimes you're doing that he said what is it so you know as you're aware you'll notice the desire to do that okay and you it happens before. Yeah, it, it feels like it's happening by itself, but everything in, our, in this body is governed by this mind. Yeah. But it's a very subtle mind. It's like a subconscious mind. And because it happens so quickly, it feels like it's happening by itself. But when you become more aware, you will catch that, that desire to do it. You'll be able to. Whether we stay still or we move, it's all decided by the mind and it's all controlled by the mind. This mind decides whether we stay still or we move. This thing that happens, Sierra says, it's probably like a habit now. If you had. Like, you know, maybe it's been happening for some time. So, and you've always been, you know, you think it's okay. So it's always been, you've always been doing it. So, so it happens very quickly. Yeah, but, but if you keep being aware, you'll start to notice. Yeah. It could also be a movement disorder. And she may have the same thing. It's called dystonia. Something similar. Uh, is very specific. Chemistry and brain connections and all that, God knows. But yeah, but um, I mean, in um, meditation centers, it, it, uh, it is not unknown to see yogis um, who are perfectly still in other times, but when they s- do meditation, they, they move in strange ways, and that's definitely not because of a disease, yeah. And um, it's, uh, very often it's because they're too focused, too energetic, or too... Focus too much, though, but Too concentrated. Too much, yeah. Yeah, and, and sometimes that, that over-focusing gives so much energy to the mind that when the mind wants to move a bit, it can magnify everything. And, and sometimes they find themselves moving uncontrollably. But if they understood that the mind is the precursor of everything... And, you know, yeah, which is also why Seattle doesn't ask us to concentrate too much or focus or use a lot of energy. When we're more relaxed, it's less likely that these things will yeah, Our unconscious or subconscious mind is actually the more powerful 
you know, it's more powerful than the conscious mind. And so if something goes into our subconscious, um, like the belief that we should move and stuff like that, it can be very hard to, uh, to turn it around, reverse the... So, one thing I um, was doing, which was possibly not very skillful, was to read instructions by another teacher before coming here. <laughs> um, and um, so I, I asked yesterday the question about labeling. Um, and so the teacher said, you know, notice and label and then try to soak, soak in the experience. And I'm kind of wondering if that is attractive to me because of, the, because of something in myself which wants to improve. Because I've, I have the impression I don't, you know, I am not with the experience enough. So my question is, do I, do I need to do this? Or is that something which we are asked to do or helpful? ยาดิมลากินตุซาอุตุคุปะตออะไรมาบาเปียวเลยสรอผิดตาอุตรีทามีเดเลเบิลตัดเดพี่รอเอ่อโซกอินดิเอ็กซ์เพียนซ์เน
not influenced by the experience. So, Seattle's way of practice is we don't try to see the object. We improve our vision. Maybe we put on spectacles. So when the ability to see becomes strong, i.e. the awareness becomes strong, the ability to see sees what needs to be seen, sees what it is able to see at that time. So rather than trying to see, it is about um, like, you know, exercising the muscle of the eye. So, you know, the analogy. So Sarah says, while you're on this retreat, um, don't do that, that, that practice. Um, try what he, he's saying. But he says, you're very free to try it another time um, because he is very open to trying all sorts of things. He's done lots, lots of practice as well, other practices. Okay, Seattle says, as far as labeling is concerned, okay? Now just pay attention. Did you hear it? Could you label it? Yeah, so labeling is already too late. You know, when things happen quickly, labeling is always late. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, but we already know. Knowing has already happened. So when we try to label experience, we're always a little bit late. So again, the power of nature. But, but nature is very fast. It's split second. Yeah. Sierra understood what you said. So he said he himself, when he began practicing in Burma, labeling was the, the way to practice. He started with labeling practice. But he says labeling is really for basics. It's for beginners because labeling helps to bring the mind to the object. You know, it's like thinking about the object. So when you label it, if you say hand, the mind goes to the hand. So that's what it's for. It's for directing the mind. But once you know how the mind works to direct attention, you can direct the mind. And you don't need it anymore. And labeling becomes very difficult when you keep practicing meditation. When you keep practicing meditation quite um, regularly, your experience of things becomes very fluid. Everything starts happening very... Um, Fluidly, then it's very hard to label because it's like, what do I label? Everything's, you know, everything is just flowing. Sometimes he's thinking, what label should I put? But everything is passing by. He knows they've got, <laughs> He knows everything has happened already. But he's thinking, what should he have labeled? Very confused. Then he, it gets confusing. Yeah. So then he says it's like the the horse is running and you're trying to get it to stall because you need to know each step. <laughs> you know, you can't let the horse run. So that's why he he teaches yogis if you can know right away, just know. You know, um, there are other ways of you know anchoring ourselves and stuff like that. But he says uh, one of the things that some yogis find difficult is that once they start labeling, they also find it difficult to stop labeling. 
it's like a like an echo in the mind, and then then he has to teach them to be okay with it and just ignore it and just do what you need to do. Yeah, because my the mind is a habit pattern. Whatever you do repeatedly becomes a habit for the mind. That gets strengthened, right? I want to ask if if in meditation um, imagination have space. So so for example, when you are in some place and you are really relaxed, and maybe because I'm an artist and I use these things, but I don't know if it's okay. But um, maybe I. I, f- I feel a, a small fear, like, but if if it's a snake beside me, and and of course it's imagination, yeah. but give me give experience also, but mm-hmm. I don't know if. There are two types of imagination. Don't know yalla, right? But to an artist, Peter, I'm not a carly to tire. Tiny, to a ngabima moishila matiu. I'm a dad. Twenty rara tire. I'm a In meditation, the only way that imagination is useful is to know that it is imagination, mm-hmm. to recognize this is imagination. The danger um, is always that in meditation, people can, can fall into imagination and not recognize this imagination. And the quiet mind uh, can, can make things seem very real. And, and then people can get frightened by what they see in their mind. Yeah, so. And in fact, you know, our, our mind thinks so many things on a daily basis. A lot of it is imagination, but we believe it. Like we're angry with someone and we believe it. You know, but that's delusion. If we saw clearly, you know, sometimes we see there's no need. Yeah. 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 says there's, you know, delusion has so many levels, right? But like sometimes our mind thinks things, right? That's one level of delusion. Just, just thinking, you know, randomly. is, And then this, there's another mind that then believes what we think randomly. That's even more delusion. He says it's like when it's dark, we're afraid of ghosts. There is no ghost, it's just dark. But the mind is so active and we believe it. So that's like double delusion, you know, that sort of, yeah. And if we knew that that was imagination, we would be free. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So in, in the way Seattle teaches, Seattle says, the purpose of, medi- of meditation is to free the mind, is to understand the truth, the, you know, the ultimate truth, and not just to be happy, not just to, I mean, there, there might be moments of enjoyment and all that, it's not that you can't, but to remember that the ultimate goal is to understand the way the mind and body work. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.